Welcome to season two of the Knowledge from the Couch podcast. It's still irreverent. It's still weird. It's still the show that you love to tolerate. Thanks for listening. to episode 29 or the ninth episode of the season two of the Knowledge from the Couch podcast. I'm Kyle. As of yet, nearly 30 episodes deep, still your host after all this time. Guys, what is happening on a lovely, if not somewhat erratic spring, April here in the, the lovely Midwest of the United States? As I often do, that is your... Uh, Random Midwest weather report because, of course, of course, the best medium to do weather reports is a podcast that isn't live, will never be live, and will always be archived somewhere. Guys, what is happening? Uh, We are on to our next month of items that we're going to cover. And this month, as I said in the prequel episode, this month we are talking about the ladies. It's ladies month. On the Knowledge from the Couch podcast, and today's episode starts off with a fairy, a fair Irish lass, name of Grace O'Malley. Grace O'Malley. She's kick ass, and the reason she's kick ass is because Grace O'Malley was the pirate queen of Ireland. I ain't have much else to say besides that, guys. Stick around to hear about the fair Irish lass. Grace O'Malley, Pirate Queen of Ireland. Knowledge from the Couch Podcast. Stick with us. Lady of the Month of April, Grace O'Malley, born in 1530 in Ireland to a man named Owen O'Malley. Uh, she was born into a very uh, a wealthy sort of, uh, you could call it sort of a royal type family. Now, at this point in time, Henry VIII is ruling over uh, uh, the English throne, the English throne being basically the the main and most dominant throne on the Isle of Great Britain. Uh, and if anybody you know is familiar with Irish and English sort of, of, of history with one another, you'll know that uh, these two nations, just like England and Scotland, uh, don't get along all that well, although for the most part they just kind of punch each other in the face a few times and then they just sort of do what they do, divvy up their, their land and call it good. For example, you would think if you look at the, uh, the the two islands next to each other, Ireland and England, 
that the left one, which is Ireland, would all be Irish, and the right one, which is Great Britain, would be all, you know, whatever countries are there, being Scotland, England, and Wales, under the crown of of uh, whoever the English monarch is at the time, the United Kingdom, but that Ireland, known today as the Republic of Ireland, would be entirely separate. That's not exactly true because Northern Ireland is also part of the United Kingdom. So there's just little six-county chunk in the uh, northeast part of Ireland that is also a part of England, and this is the sort of thing that Irish people fucking hate. I should say Irish people as in Republic of Ireland, Irish people, or any of the Irish people who are not from Belfast, basically. Because you have the uh, Unionist Irish, which are the ones who are happy about being in the United Kingdom, and you have the uh, the the Unification Irish that want the entire island just to be one country called Ireland. Anyway, that doesn't have a ton to do with our story, really, in any direct way. As I always say when we're doing this show, context is king, context matters, so to know that England and Ireland don't get along is is quite an understatement on its own. You kind of have to understand that there is a giant long history of these two island, you know, uh, you could call them island nations, I guess, even though island nations is simplifying it a little bit, but two uh, giant islands with similar populations but aren't really similar people really just kind of butting heads with each other throughout history, usually with England being the more wealthy and the more aggressive of the parties. We're going to learn today that that's not always the case, but that is typically what was going on during Grace O'Malley's, her birth and childhood, that Henry VIII, and then later on you will see Queen Elizabeth I, uh, basically just being English monarchs and saying, oh, look at everything I have, it's mine, I, I look at that thing and it's mine, and I go to this place and it's mine, and I touch this thing and it's mine. You know, the the the, the glorification and the, the, the growing of this, this would-be British empire, and since Ireland is next door, they get to take the brunt of it sometimes. So, Grace O'Malley is born into this sort of royal, kind of tribal, clannish type family, um, the O'Malley's, which are one of, of about a dozen Irish, you know, I guess you could call them like tribal leader, royal type families, you know, kind of if you have a big old chunk of land or big old chunk of area or whatever it is with people, these would be like the important people of that little area. And for the most part, the English tended tended to leave these people alone for the most part. They just said, hey, Hey, we're England, by the way. We're kind of in dominion over you, but we really don't really give a shit what you do. We don't care what you do as long as you just don't bug us. You can go do whatever Irish things you do. You go eat potatoes or whatever you do, get hammered, you know, whatever an English person might say about an Irish person. That's kind of how they treated the Irish at the time. They just said, do whatever you want. Just don't come and bug us with your bullshit. Of course, as all things go... These things tend to change a little bit when one monarch or one type of generation is cool with a with a, a a policy like that one. Inevitably, some power hungry person or power hungry people or whatever it is, a culture shift, whatever it is, is going to take over, and that is going to become the prevailing idea of the time. 
which then starts to lead to the English saying, oh, we actually really kind of want to take control of Ireland a little more steadily. So in the Tudor years, the Tudor, T-U-D-O-R, that royal family of England, during the Tudor years, uh, there begins to become this sort of like slow but steady conquest of Ireland to just sort of take it completely under English control. And as you can imagine, a lot of the Irish families, especially the O'Malley clan, were not at all happy about this situation. And Grace O'Malley was brought up during this time to sort of start to hate the English and hate what they were doing to, you know, her 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 birthland, her homeland, her given, you know, everything that she was raised in is being threatened by these people across the across the, the sea over there. And why should they do that sort of thing? Now, the O'Malley's were in an interesting and, and, and kind of unique position uh, with their particular clan because they were a seafaring coastal clan. And this, you know, combined with the amount of wealth and resources they had at their disposal kind of made them their own little seafaring power. Very interesting because you don't really think of the Irish as seafaring people, although when it really comes down to it, people in those British Isle areas tend to be some of the best sailors in the entire world, which is why the British Navy was one of the uh, most powerful and most effective in the history of this world. Anyhow, the Clan O'Malley is is doing what they're doing on the coasts of Ireland, and Grace, little Grace O'Malley, grows up with this culture as well and becomes fascinated by the sea during her entire youth. Now, of course, this is, you know, the 16th century. This is the 1500s. So you can only imagine that any fucking asshole dude's attitude towards this woman was, Hi, Grace, it looks like you were born a woman. And that means you have to live this sort of uh, subdued and passive life on land. And and your your only function is going to be to marry somebody and produce children for that person and on and on and on, as was the entire history of, you know, men being assholes uh, of the world. Well, Grace really wasn't at all a fan of this bullshit, and really what she wanted to do was go out on the sea with her brother and her father doing stuff at sea like they were doing, sailing around and, and fighting people and really just being fucking badasses. Of course, her dad and her brother laugh at her because they figure, oh, she's just a little girl. She can't do any of this bullshit. I mean, come on. Let's be serious. You know, what? how are you going to do this? Well, Grace says, you know, hey, I'm going to do it like you can't stop me. And her father makes up this like bullshit excuse about, oh, well, I mean, you got I mean, geez, you can't be a sailor. I hate to break it to you. You can't be a sailor and have long hair like you do because you're long uh, beautiful hair is going to get caught in all the rigging of the ships, and oh boy, it's just going to be a whole goddamn situation. So, oops, sorry. Sorry, little Grace. You can't come out and be a sailor with us. And of course, some people will be like, oh, I guess that's a that's a legit excuse. Like, I have long hair. I just can't be a pirate, or I can't be a sailor, or whatever. Grace is like, fuck that. Cuts her hair and dresses like a boy in an attempt to, be, to become a sailor on her ship. Eventually, uh, her family discovers her, you know, attempted subterfuge and give her the nickname of Grain Mahole. Jesus, I little sidebar here real quick. Um, Grace O'Malley is not really her given name at the time. 
Her given name is a very difficult to pronounce Irish word with all the fucking accent marks and like 98 consonants in weird places. Um, and much like Finnish uh, or any language like that, I just or Icelandic, I cannot I cannot pronounce any of these words because I literally don't know when I look at it. I look at it and I see a whole bunch of letters and I go, wow, that looks like it could be something. And then I just I, I don't know what it's actually supposed to sound like. So I'm going to uh, attempt to not use a lot of those. Grace O'Malley is an anglicization of her Irish name made because of idiots like me who can't actually be culturally good and say the correct things. Either way, I'm going to try not to butcher stuff. and I'm going to try to keep it pretty... Uh, pretty basic here but that's that was my attempt at uh pronouncing her little nickname that she's given okay time in zach morris time in so she was given this nickname which basically meant bald grace and this sort of followed her around the rest of her life at least with her close friends and people she knew even though she wasn't really bald but she cut her hair so obviously that's just a thing that people would call her it is what it is anyhow she proves her worth at sea during an incident when her father's fleet, and in particular the ship that they were on, because she's out at the ocean at this time doing their thing, survives a pirate attack, and she saves the life of her father. Now, her father would tell her, hey, if we're ever under attack or any of this bullshit that's going down, you need to go below deck and hide. Well, of course, she doesn't listen to him, because why would Grace O'Malley listen to her father? She hasn't yet. Why would she start now? She instead runs up to the very top of the ship and she's overlooking the sort of battle that's going on there. And she spots a guy creeping up on her father stealth style with a knife. And he's about to, you know, give her father the rogue treatment and uh, give her give her dad a little critical backstab and kill his ass. So she does what any good daughter would do and jumps off the mast screaming and lands on this dude and and distracts everybody on deck uh, long enough that A, she saves her father, and B, they're able to turn the battle to their own favor and turn the tide of that and actually win out against these pirate assholes. So, hey, there's, there's her first insane effort of being a badass on the high seas as just a teenage girl jumping off the top deck, screaming like a banshee, and taking this dude out who is about to kill her own father. And this sort of goes on like this until the ripe old age of 16 where she's married off to Donal O'Flattery or O'Flattery with whom she had three kids, Owen, Murrog, and Margaret. But, of course, Grace was not the kind to want to settle down to home and hearth and bake cookies and uh, prepare potatoes and do whatever you do in the 1500s in Ireland. Over the uh, next few years, the ensuing years of her life, she gradually started to eclipse this husband, taking over the captaincy of that fleet and supervising their business and political dealings. Of course, uh, her marriage to this guy was was one of of not just you know whatever, but it was a it was a political in nature because this guy had his own fleet in his own lands, and of course. Uh, Grace is, is very much always the, the looking forward type and decided that it was a good idea to take this marriage in so she could get more power and more influence by way of his own stuff. She got so insanely good at sailing her fleet around 
that eventually they were banned from the Galway ports, which is one of the major trading ports in Ireland. She didn't give a shit and started to take her business directly to Spain and Portugal and around up to Scotland and Ulster, which is in Northern Ireland. But she wasn't uh, happy with having that banning from the Galway. So what she would do is what she would she would troll uh, the coast there and catch some slower, less armed ships unaware. And she would basically pull a mafia uh, racket where she would offer, quote unquote, protection for these ships for a nominal fee, of course. And if these people didn't want to pay that fee, then she said, fuck it and took all their stuff anyway, like a true pirate of the sea. Now, eventually, this husband that she had married, uh, Donal, uh, died a little bit later on during a revenge attack made by the Joyce clan because obviously Grace and Donal are going around being insane and taking stuff. And the, the infighting in the Irish clans was still pretty heavy despite whatever the English were doing. Uh, uh, the Irish really couldn't get along either. Uh, Donald dies in a revenge attack from the Joyce clan. Um, he did this because he had captured their island castle um, on Caelan and Circa. I hope I'm saying that right. And they had mustered all their strength to try and regain it. And, and of course, in that ensuing racket, he is killed. But if they thought that that was it, they were sadly mistaken because Grace is not the type to say, oh, okay, well, that's fine. Grace is the type who was going to go and get revenge. She took up the battle and defeated her husband's killers with her fleet and her men. The castle then became one of her favorites because, of course, it did. And she defended it against all comers, including later on in life, the English. During one particularly desperate siege, she ordered her men to remove the lead from the castle roof, then melted it down and made shot out of it so that they could, you know, load cannons and guns. The English then were forced to retreat to the mainland, but Grace wasn't done with them after that point during this particular battle. She then sent a messenger through a secret passage to the mainland where he lit beacon fires, alerting her fleet. The ships put to sea and then defeated the English and raised the siege against her favorite castle. Now, of course, after her uh, uh, her first husband's death, uh, the law at the time entitled her to a third of his estate, but her two sons of the three children she had with him denied her this property because why not? They maybe figured that their mom couldn't take it or shouldn't have it or whatever it was. So, of course, Grace, being the angry pirate lady she was, returned with 200 followers of her own and set up operations on Clare Island in Clue Bay from where she could monitor all the traffic and do her pirating thing and doing what she did made herself and all those followers extremely wealthy. So, of course, she got hers no matter what she had to do. Legend has it that in between the death of her first husband and the marriage of her second husband, there is a story that uh, she had set out to rescue a ship that she had heard had floundered upon the rocks and she set sails in this massive storm, this gale, and it's crazy. And it, you know, you can you can definitely see it in a movie, just this 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 insane windstorm, and and you could see her, you know, standing on the deck, just just looking, of course, forlornly trying to find this ship. She gets there, the ship they're looking for has vanished, of course, broken on the rocks and sunk. There's only one survivor, a man named Hugh DeLacy, who was near death. The story goes that she nurses him back to health and the two 
fall in love and get married, of course. This is sort of the legend because this isn't really ever part of her official story, but it sort of lends to the legend of her, her, her name and her figure. Of course, these two are happy and married until one day while out deer hunting, he was killed by the McMahons of Ballycroy. Of course, Miss Revenge here is grief-stricken, tracks the killers to the island of Cahir, where they had gone on a pilgrimage. She burns their boats and kills them and uh, takes her, her cold, sweet revenge by her own hands, and then sails back to the castle of Duna in Blacksod Bay, defeating its defenders and taking it for herself. This sort of shows the, the the legend that she starts to build under her own legacy, even if this story isn't 100% you know, true in her life. It's the kind of stuff that people start to talk about when they talked about Grace O'Malley. Continuing her aspirational ways, she basically owns most of Clue Bay by the time 1566 rolls around, except for one little piece of property, property left and governed by a man named Richard Burke from the castle of Rockfleet. With this man, she uh, has a son named Tibbet, T-I-B-B-O-T. According to more legend, Tibbet was supposedly born on board a ship while Grace was returning from a trading mission. The day after the birth, the ship was attacked by Turkish pirates. The captain then makes his way down to Grace's captain to tell her that the fight was going on against them. This is one day postpartum with Grace. She leaps from her bed and apparently says, quote, May you be seven times worse this day, 12 month. Who cannot do this without me for one day? So she's just like, I have, I have this baby and I'm giving birth. And you morons, the one day I want to take off, you know, after I've given birth to my brand new baby, we get attacked by Turkish people on these ships and we have to go fucking defend it. So goddamn it, give me a gun. So she grabs a musket on her way up to the deck and blows some Turkish dude's head off and then says, take this from unconsecrated hands, after which they capture that ship, kill its crew, and of course, add that ship to their fleet because this is a lady that you never, ever wanted to mess with. And now, after all this, she gets the attention of the English, who are starting, you know, who are still sort of doing their 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 slow but steady conquest of of Ireland, um, and you know, doing that, they're going to inevitably run into the lady who's being a crazy pirate person on the coast, taking ships, taking money, taking power, taking land, taking castles, and taking influence. Of course, at some point, they're going to notice her. So on March 8th of 1574, Captain William Martin takes a force of ships and men and lays siege to Grace in that Rockfleet castle, her next second husband's castle. Within two weeks, Grace turns her defense into an attack and the English are forced to beat a hasty retreat. But despite all of her insane tactics and fire and ability to really take it to the English, especially when she was on the defensive on her back foot, it was getting more and more difficult to have these kind of victories against the English because they had been changing the traditional laws of Ireland as they'd slowly and surely been taking smaller sections over the past probably 20 or so years. They eventually started to outlaw the system of electing chieftains, which is, you know, these clan leaders like are happening in Ireland during her time when she was a little younger, in favor of the European system called primogeniture, which really is just a big fancy word 
for saying that the firstborn child is the one who gets the power and that it's passed down through a family rather than, like I was saying, these chieftains being elected. Each year, more of these Irish chieftains submit to the English rule, including the head of the O'Malley clan later on. In 1577, Grace herself submitted. So it was just one of those things where the tide was going a certain way, and you kind of had to do it because how are you going to fight against this massive, massive empire? But despite this this somewhat loss in, in overall autonomy and power, uh, Grace O'Malley still still uh, harbored this insane uh, admiration from people and this insane influence from people. And in a story from Sir Henry Sidney, who was the Lord Dep- Deputy of Ireland, and his son, Philip Sidney, who was a poet, you get an interesting story about Grace that happened a little bit after this uh, this English business. Uh, a favorite story of his was how she stopped to restock her ship in Dublin during a stocking or a supply mission and went to the Lord of Howth for hospitality, as was Gaelic custom. And when she reaches the castle, she finds the gates locked against her who told her that the Lord was eating and was not to be disturbed. Well, this makes her fucking furious, and she heads back to her ship. But as luck would have it, who should she meet on the way but the Lord's son? You can almost see the smile on her face as she hauled the boy off and put to sea, so she captured his son and made him join her little fleet. The Lord of Howth then promised to pay any ransom for his son's safe return, but Grace instead demanded that his gates never be closed against anyone asking hospitality and that an extra place always be set at the table. Those were the terms of her ransom. The Lord of Howth then obeyed, and apparently to this very day, there is always an extra place at the table at Howth Castle. I don't know how true that is, but that's a that's an interesting story. I'll have to go to Ireland someday and see how true that is. So this sort of goes on like this until 1584, where the governor of Connaught died and was replaced by a nam- man excuse me, named Sir Richard Bingham, who was dedicated, of course, to the destruction of the traditional way of life in Ireland because he was an Englishman who hated the Irish people, much like many of the people who are placed in charge in these governmental roles. Within two years of him taking power, he manages to actually capture Grace O'Malley and her son, Owen, although for some reason he does let her go maybe not realizing who she was or how powerful she actually was. Uh, Grace then goes and finds that Bingham had confiscated all of her livestock and her property and left her with absolutely nothing. And then as she's trying to muster forces, he murders her son, Owen. Well, this makes her go into uh, like Super Saiyan rage mode. And as rebellion rages throughout all of Ireland for several years, Grace is out there harrying Bingham's troops with her fleet, disrupting trade, carrying troops to the rebels, and raiding seaport towns. Bingham then tries everything he can to defeat her, and even succeeded in wooing her son, Murug, to his side. Murug is the biggest asshole of her sons, apparently. Um, Besieged on all fronts in 1593, Grace finally writes to the ultimate authority, Queen Elizabeth I asking for parley. The letter, which survives to this day, so we can actually see what is in it, goes on and on about injustice and Grace's own advanced age, but ends up requesting the Queen to grant unto your said subject, this is her, under your most gracious hand of signet, free liberty during her life to invade with sword and fire 
all your highness enemies wheresoever they are or shall be without any interruption of any person or persons whatsoever. So instead of being like, oh, please, Queen Elizabeth, save me, help me. She's like, you know what? This fucking asshole Bingham over here is is really doing me dirty. He takes all my stuff. He kills my son. He seduces my other son to the dark side. And he's just doing all this bullshit. And I, all I want you to do is A, tell this guy to stop. And B, let me be a pirate, you know, under your command. So more of a privateer than a pirate. And I'll go out and just kill people and burn ships and steal shit for you, m'lady, m'queen. So the queen, seeing this, sent Grace 18 articles of interrogatory, a series of questions to be answered by her on her life, her business, and her actions. Grace duly complies, but before the queen could respond, Bingham arrested both her son and her brother because Bingham, at this point, is basically the the sheriff of Nottingham, and he's just a total fucking asshole. But Grace makes an interesting move at this point, and instead of doing her regular revenge thing where she goes back after Bingham, she then decides to sail for England. She's going to go and meet Queen Elizabeth herself. Bingham hears that she does this, and he fires off a letter to the queen, basically saying, hey, Grace is awful. Grace O'Malley is the worst. She's this demon of Ireland. She's awful. She's a traitor. Um, How could you possibly ever see somebody like this in your court? Now, it's not really known if Elizabeth read or even received this letter um, uh, from Bingham, but what is known is that she did meet with Grace. So Elizabeth I and Grace O'Malley meet each other on the 6th of September in 1593. And apparently like old gal pals, they hit it off. It's like the Golden Girls right away. It's it's an interesting little thing to see because Elizabeth I was kind of a little bit of a, a, a maverick of her own uh, during her rule. She ruled for a long time and she was kind of more of a more of a, a pistol than people really gave her credit for, and she got a lot of shit done during her time, and honestly, she probably would have been a little bit like Grace O'Malley had she grown up in those t- those type of situations rather than being the daughter of the king, you know? So was it something that she saw in her or that Grace saw in the queen? You know, was the queen charmed by Grace O'Malley, who had achieved with fire and sword, what she'd achieved with politics and wit. We'll probably never, ever know that because, of course, it's from the 1590s, so all you really get is stories. What we do know, though, is that letter Elizabeth sends to Bingham later on, she says, hey, dude, you dick, release her son and brother and restore her property, give her her stuff back, and, oh, by the way, by the way, Grace O'Malley has the Queen's permission to fight in our quarrel with all the world. So that's kind of a funny thing, too, because, of course, that's how you're going to describe being the, the the biggest empire at Earth is that you have a quarrel with the rest of the world. You know, the goddamn world just mm, they're not submitting to our will like we want them to. Uh, we got a quarrel with the world. And, of course, Grace O'Malley, this fiery now like 60 year old woman is still going out there getting it done, and she may fight in our quarrel with all the world. Of course, Bingham tries to weasel out of submitting to Elizabeth's order by simply not doing anything, but Grace, of course, was not going to have any of that and threatened to return to England and tell that her servant was disobeying her orders. 
The governor reluctantly then returned her family to her and gave her her stuff back and put to sea again. Although the story doesn't end exactly the way Grace O'Malley wants because literally right away thereafter, the Nine Years' War begins in Ireland, which is also known as Tyrone's Rebellion, and it took place from 1593, the same year that she went to meet Elizabeth, up to 1603, the year that unfortunately Grace O'Malley would pass away. Also the same year, coincidentally, that Queen Elizabeth I passed away. But basically, this little rebellion uh, uh, was Ireland's last sort of uh, uh, death knell to the English before the English finally win and take over Ireland. So really, the meeting with Queen Elizabeth was more about you know, girls palling around and seeing the cool shit about each other in each other. But Elizabeth, really, all she ever wanted was to have Grace fight on her side. Grace, all she ever wanted was to not be bugged anymore and wanted to keep pirating and doing that kind of stuff. And even though Elizabeth was basically fine with her doing that, she really didn't want her to do it for Ireland. So Grace goes back to Ireland and eventually starts to uh, support insurgents uh, as part of the Nine Years' War against Elizabeth's forces. It just kind of is one of those weird 16th and 17th century things that, you know, they just kind of tended to happen that way. And yeah, that's it. She she lives a life as an extremely successful pirate in an era where women basically were never in charge of things like that. And not only was she just in charge of it, she was extremely good at it. And that's it. That is the story of our Irish last Grace O'Malley. And now, after all of that, your fact of the week. In the United States, there are actually more Irish people, this is an Irish fact, there are more Irish people than there actually are in Ireland itself. There are 39.6 million Americans who claim Irish heritage. I am particularly one of those people. And that number is almost seven times larger than the entire population of Ireland, which is 6.3 million people. Huh. I guess the troubles really were troubling for those Irish. And so it goes. Another week passes and another podcast hits your ears. Guys, thank you so much for indulging me and listening to my dumb little show and learning a little something about history, whether or not that history is always 1000% dry or sometimes a little embellished as history goes with things like this story where you know facts and you also know the legends. Guys, you can follow me, the man himself. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Steinhauser or follow the show's page at The Couch Pod on Twitter. You can also find us on Facebook. Search Knowledge from the Couch Podcast. You will find us there. You can email the show, knowledgecouch at gmail.com if you'd like to do it that way. You can find the show everywhere podcasts can be found, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Pocket Cast, Overcast, TuneIn, uh, whatever other things I'm forgetting. It doesn't matter. Anything that goes into your app store as a podcast application, you may search for the show and find it. And when you do find it, and maybe you already have found it, and in which case I'm I'm asking you to have someone else find it, 
you can rate the show and review the show and do all that fun stuff, uh, particularly subscribe to the show. That way episodes are downloaded automatically to you, even though I do a weekly shout out to myself anyway, just to make sure everybody sees it who wants to see it. Um, if you are subscribed in the podcast world, you will get it without having to do a single iota of work. Make sure to check out my friend Aaron's video cast, the All Things Action video cast. I've been on two times, so if you go to his YouTube channel, which I will link in the show notes from my show, you can go find the episodes that I've been in. I've been in two of them, and I hope to be on future episodes as well. It's a fun show. Go check it out. We have a ball talking about the stuff that we talk about. Guys, until next week, during Ladies Month of the Knowledge from the Couch podcast, until then, I'll speak to you later. So I thought, so I thought I needed you.